0: Amen. What an awesome group of kids, and uh, what a wonderful time of year to kind of cause us to reflect on something that's just a profound theological truth of the faith once for all delivered to the saints, that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. Before we get into the message this morning, this uh, series that we're going to walk through this month uh, kind of as an overflow of what we're doing with the children up front is titled Redemption's Song. There is, if you will, a scarlet thread of redemption that flows like, I I believe, a melody Uh, throughout all of Scripture, and it kind of comes to a couple of crescendos, one at the first advent, the coming of Christ, and one at the second. And so we're going to look at one verse this morning, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. If you've got your Bibles, stand with me as we read this great prophecy that was fulfilled in part at Christmas and will be continued when Christ comes again. It says, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Now, in some translations, there's an unfortunate comma there that later translators placed in there in some English Bibles. But in the Hebrew, what you have here are four names for God, four names that describe the Messiah that are combinations of an adjective and a noun, And so you have the first one should read Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God is the second one. Eternal or Everlasting Father is the third one. And the fourth would be Peace Prince or the Prince of Peace. Father, we come to you this morning knowing that everything we would ever need is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And these beautiful names of the coming Messiah to Israel and to the Messiah that we realize has already come and is coming again into this desperate world to consummate the ages. Lord, we know and believe that that Messiah is what we should be celebrating this Christmas season more than anything else and above all. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, because there are people under the sound of my voice this morning that I know need to discover what these names mean to them personally. Lord Jesus, what you mean to them personally today. So you work in the only way you can. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You can be seated. When we look at a timeline of history, if you will, on this planet, uh, where it, we begin with creation and, and and we end with when all things are made right for eternity, and we look at life on planet Earth as it exists, we see that there are basically three time periods separated by Two advents: the first advent, which is already taking place, and the second advent when Jesus comes again. Hey, but between creation and the first advent, we had the the fall of man and Adam and Eve and all of humanity because all of sin had come short of the glory of God. And so we have in that first time period, God establishing a covenant with Israel, beginning with Abraham, but then that became the the Mosaic covenant when. Moses brought the law, and and basically the law was, Paul said, a schoolmaster showing us our need for a Messiah. So all of the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets, and the writings, uh, all of that first time period is looking forward to the coming of a Messiah. They didn't always realize it would be in two parts, but it would be. Now, after Jesus was born, that first Christmas... We call that season of Christ coming and living and dying and rising again, the first advent, the first coming of Christ. That would usher in a new time period on this planet. Sometimes we call it the church age. But now the church is being empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission of making Messiah known to all the nations, that which Israel was supposed to do, looking forward to Messiah, they were to be a light to the nations. Now the covenant people, uh, known as the church, become God's agents in this world until Christ raptures the church and then returns again with the church to establish his reign, that third period that I believe is a literal thousand years. Some people believe that that's more of a figurative language. Some even believe that we're in it now, but uh, I believe that it's a coming reign of Christ on this planet before the new heaven and new earth, before we step back into that eternal kingdom forever and ever and ever. And by the way, the when we Try to draw that on a timeline. We might put, those of you who are math students in here, we kind of put arrows on each end to let you know that it continues for infinity. But if you really think about it, eternity is not part of a timeline. It transcends all of that. It's another realm that Christ stepped out of when he made himself known to us. But he was eternal with the Father and is eternal with the Father. He is the Alpha and the Omega and the king forever. So you see that we're kind of in that center period of time. Christ has come, but he's coming again. Many of the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the coming of Christ spoke of both Advents and, and not always very distinguishable. That's why uh, some people have a hard time understanding Uh, that Jesus truly was the Messiah, but he did not on this planet set up kind of a revolutionary overthrow of all the current governments. Instead, in his first coming... All that would be established in his second coming with his rule and reigns. In the second coming, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. In his second coming, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess whether they like it or not. They will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But in his first coming, he established all of those things in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls who would by faith receive him as their Savior and as their Lord and King. And so there is still a cry for the return of Messiah. There's a groaning, the book of Romans says, uh, that this planet experience is saying, oh, there's a longing for that second advent, for Jesus to come again, not as a suffering servant, but as a conquering king. However, God answers that cry in the heart of every believer who understands who Jesus is is and what he's already accomplished by coming into this world that first Christmas, by living that sinless life, by dying on a cross and rising to give us life everlasting. And so I want you to see these titles in Isaiah 9-6, who prophesied all the way back before that captivity that Mr. Dave was talking about. He, He prophesied that though Israel would suffer great captivity and it would seem like they never could get it right that one day a Messiah would come to be their Savior. And his name would be called Wonderful Counselor. I believe that answers number one this morning a cry for his presence. A cry for his presence. That we need that wonderful counselor to come along beside us. And yes, even through the Spirit, live in us. Jesus. By the way, with his wisdom and his counsel, and that word wonderful counselor means somebody who would have astounding wisdom and care for the people of Israel and for those who would enter into this new covenant relationship with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. He would astound the multitudes with his wisdom and his care. His presence would be with them. The cry to say, God, we need you here is answered because Jesus is saying, I am here. Emmanuel is, God, with us. And now, in the church age, Christ is still with us as much as he was with his disciples. You're saying, well, it would be wonderful if he was still walking the planet. Jesus explained to his disciples, listen, this next dispensation is going to be even better because if I go, I can send the Holy Spirit. I'm not limited By physical time and space, through the Holy Spirit, he will be with you, he will be in you, he will be guiding you into all truth, and he will be that counselor, that Greek word paraclete, he will be that one who comes along beside you. Now, if we could have been a fly on the wall, we would realize that everything that Jesus was as he walked this planet, he still is through the Spirit of Christ who lives in us. If we could see Jesus' being the wonderful counselor whose presence was with the Samaritan woman at a well who had a sinful past, who was so frustrated and burnt out on life as she meets the one who would give her living water overflowing to eternal life. She would have said, he is a wonderful counselor. There's a religious leader named Nicodemus who would receive counsel from Jesus at night in a one-on-one conversation And Nicodemus had to conclude, because he even helped with the burial of Christ eventually, had to conclude, oh, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. I've been in his presence. To a man whose daughter had just passed away named Jairus, Jairus would discover he's the wonderful counselor. To the lame and the demon-possessed and the lepers who met Jesus and their lives were never the same as a result. They went from being ostracized and alone and tormented to being saved and made brand new. They would say, we have been in the presence of a wonderful counselor. Even to Pilate, who needed to know the truth. Though he may not have put his faith and trust in Christ, when he asked what is truth, before the one who could say, I am the truth, he would have to admit, no one ever answered like that. He's a wonderful counselor. Even to a man dying on a cross beside Jesus, in his last minutes, would hear the words from the presence of Emmanuel, today you will be with me in paradise. And he would say, oh, just before I died, I met the wonderful counselor. I've experienced his presence. What about us? Are you living with an awareness of his presence? That Christ, the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among us, has sent his Holy Spirit because he's still with us as the wonderful counselor who has come along beside us and even lives in us. And I promise you this, when you know that, you'll discover that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has not left you. He has not abandoned you. He is more with us than ever before when we have put our faith and trust in him. That's the cry for his presence that is answered by a wonderful counselor. The next cry is part of redemption song here is a cry for his power. You ever feel powerless? Man, this life has a way of throwing some things at you that make you realize how vulnerable and how fragile we are. And yet, Emmanuel, God with us, would also be called mighty God. The original readers of this would have said, he's the conquering warrior. Nobody can defeat him. He has all power. This warrior language telling us that Messiah would be a conqueror did not appear to be so in his first coming. It wasn't as expected. Why is that? Why would he come as a suffering servant? because he first had to conquer sin by becoming sin for us on a cross. He had to conquer death, the enemy that makes so many of us feel defeated. He had to conquer the grave. He had to conquer hell. And so when Jesus came the first time, as Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say, it wasn't to save civilization from wreckage, he came the first time to save people from the wreckage of civilization. And so he would conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave as a mighty God. And when he comes again, he'll come not low and riding on a donkey, but he'll come riding a white horse with the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And everyone would bow to him on that day. But in this age, Between the first advent and the second advent, where our redemption is being realized in our hearts, but it hasn't been fully manifest on this planet. What makes you feel powerless? What makes you feel defeated? When the Bible says in Romans 8, we're more than conquerors, it's answering a question in Romans 8 35, and I'm gonna give you the RAV, Robbie's Amplified Version who's going to get the best of us? Paul would ask, who's going to defeat us? Who's going to get the best of us? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Shall abuse, grief, disease, or abandonment, is that going to get the best of us? And the resounding answer to that in Romans chapter 8 is no, Why? Because we are more than conquerors. How can we, flesh and blood, be more than conquerors? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Because we've come to know Christ, and the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. And so not in our own strength, we are more than conquerors through him. Take Jesus by the hand, church. I'm telling you. I have had seasons of life and this year has been one of those seasons where I am so grateful that this thing is real and you can take Jesus by the hand and walk with him. It's those seasons of life where we feel powerless that we discover that his grace is efficient. His power is perfect. His strength is perfect in us. So there's a cry for his power that's answered by this Messiah who would come as a mighty God. He would also come as an everlasting father that answers the cry for his provision as a father would provide for the children that he loves. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Lord, we have needs and you are our heavenly father who meets those needs. Before teaching us in Matthew chapter 6 that our heavenly father will provide everything we need because he knows what we have need of. That if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things are going to be added to us. He'll take care of the rest. Before all of that, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, you're going to give us this day our daily bread. You're going to forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. You're going to lead us out of temptation. Why will God answer that prayer? Because he is a heavenly father. Not only that, but going back to that Romans 8 passage, that chapter that tells us that we are more than conquerors, that tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who tell us that the law is fulfilled, and those who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, that same chapter tells us that we have been given the spirit of adoption, that we have been brought into the family of God and that God is our heavenly father, that we are heirs of God, that we are even joint heirs with Christ, that everything that was secured for Christ was also secured for me and you in Christ. For all who are seated in the heavenly places, even now in Christ. You say, well, Boy, that just wonderfully automatically applies to everybody. Nope, let's go back to John 1. It, it says, as many as received him, when by faith you say yes to Jesus. Yes, I receive you as Savior and Lord. It says, as many received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God so that you can say, he is my everlasting Father. We then have that spirit of of adoption that we can call on our Father. And we can apply scriptures now as believers like Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Oh, we're going to get to peace here in just a second. You get down to verse... 19 of that same chapter, and it says, and my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. The heavenly Father knows every need that I have. Some of you are going through situations today where you say, man, there are great material or financial needs in my life, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I've said this again and again and again because I'm praying for my own kids. The 20-somethings of this generation are being called the unluckiest generation because of the way that, you know, salaries and the inflation, and all increased. And so they're the first generation that there's no such thing as a starter home or anything like that anymore, especially in the southeastern United States. And so believers are having to learn, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But see, those are first world needs. See, there are some that have spiritual needs, brokenness, emptiness, relational needs, physical needs. And our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of. And He hasn't abandoned us. There's a cry for His provision, and He is Jehovah Jireh become flesh, our provider. And finally, there's a cry for his peace, for his peace. Everywhere we look around this world today, we see chaos and war, and we say, where's the peace? I'll tell you where the peace is right now. Right now, the peace is in the hearts of those who have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. As Jesus was in a boat in the storm with his disciples that was kind of rocking and rolling, and he spoke the words, peace, be still, and it became like glass. He's able to speak peace into your heart in the midst of the worst storms. Storms you never thought you would go through. Relational storms. Even in your own family. Economic storms. Vocational storms. He's able to say to your heart, peace, be still. Oh, there's coming a day at the second advent when Jesus comes again, that he's not coming to take sides, he's coming to take over, and he's going to speak to the nations, peace, be still, and he'll rule with a rod of iron. But until then, you and I can live with a foretaste of that glory because of the peace that is in us, regardless of the storms that rage around us. Romans 5.1 says that happens because we have peace with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question and you just get honest with yourself this morning? What are you lacking? Is it an awareness of his presence Do you realize he's a wonderful counselor who's just waiting to spend time with you? What are you lacking? Is it a powerful walk with him? He's the mighty God who wants you to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh so that you walk in the power of the Spirit. Are you lacking provision in some area? Oh, oh, it's there, but you're not accessing it? Because you're not seeking him first in his kingdom. Or are you lacking peace? This generation is experiencing more fear and anxiety than any before. We're seeing it in this world now more than ever. From childhood to senior adults, there are more people struggling with fear and anxiety than ever before. And the answer the world always has. Now listen, if there's something going on in you physiologically, I'm not being, listen, friends and family members I know of who are going through some things that they're doctors that they need to see and treatments they need to follow through with. However, however, the overwhelming majority of those struggling with fear and anxiety are struggling with something because they haven't met the Prince of Peace, and allowed the truth of this book to saturate their hearts and their minds in Christ. So is there an area where you need his peace, his provision, his power, his presence? Will you bow your heads with me? Have you trusted him as your savior, your king? I wonder if there's someone here this morning who would say, Man, I'm missing all of those things because I've never put my faith and trust in Christ. I'm more sure than ever before, this faith that we embrace is very real. Christ was and is very real. Have you trusted him? If not, you can right now. That's the good news of the gospel. You can say right where you sit, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you came and lived a sinless life and died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again to give me life everlasting. And so I'm turning from trusting in self and my pursuit of sin to trusting in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. ask you to forgive my sins and cleanse me to be my king and savior today with no one looking around if that's the prayer of your heart would you just lift a hand and say hey that's me that's me i'm trusting in him amen 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 now how many of us would say man i've I've been walking with him but i haven't really i haven't really Learn to enjoy his presence. Oh, I I haven't really sought to be filled with his spirit, his power. Or maybe you would say, there's an area of provision I'm not tapping into because I'm not seeking first the kingdom Probably all over this place, somebody would say, there's fear and anxiety. I'm not resting in the arms of the Prince of Peace. Any of those areas apply to you? Would you give that to Jesus today? Would you embrace him? Listen, it's as real as As a child, embracing our minister to family <laughs> a moment ago, that's how real your embrace of Jesus can be today. To take hold of him? Father, we thank you that you are all we need. Jesus is all we need. We embrace that today in Christ's name. you stand during this time of response? Which of those areas are your greatest need? Is it salvation? You, do you need an awareness of his presence? Will you come to this altar and say, Lord, I just need to know you're real and that you're here. You need to be filled fresh and new with his spirit and walk in his power. Come and ask him how much more is he willing, Jesus said, to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Is there an area of provision? You're struggling just getting by, physical need, material need, financial need, whatever, just come and give it to him. Are you lacking his peace, struggling with fear and anxiety about something? Come to this altar and imagine you're laying in at the feet of the Prince of Peace today. You come as we sing. If I can pray with you, pastors, I can pray with you. We would love to. We'll be here. You come as we sing.